Welcome to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the heated rhetoric around the ongoing non-citizen migrant crisis impacting Illinois and the latest in a challenge against Illinois' gun and magazine ban. I'll then join the Center Square's Dan McCaleb to further discuss those stories and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Are you tired of news that puts politics over people? At the nonprofit Franklin News Foundation, we believe in putting people over politics by delivering nonpartisan news and audio content that serves you, the American taxpayer. With Franklin News Foundation, you can read fact-based, state-focused news for free at thecentersquare.com. You can listen to civil, balanced conversations between policy experts through our podcast network at americastalking.com. Or you can get in-depth news on K-12 education spending, curriculum, and school safety at chalkboardnews.com. It's all free through Franklin, where we put you, the American taxpayer, first in every story, episode, and conversation. And it's only possible through our supporters. Together, we can produce content that puts people over politics and brings Americans the news they deserve. Become a supporter today at franklinnews.org donate. Once again, that's franklinnews.org slash donate. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. The U.S. Supreme Court now has another challenge against Illinois' gun ban on its docket. Wednesday, the nation's high court docketed the case out of Naperville, where plaintiffs challenged the city's and state's gun and magazine ban. Plaintiffs are seeking an emergency appeal of the Seventh Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals three-judge panel ruling for the state. Thursday, Justice Amy Coney Barrett ordered the state to respond by December 6th. Dudley Brown with the National Association for Gun Rights broke the news in a post on X. That means it's quite possible that the Supreme Court could intervene in that case and demand that they accept Bruin. The Bruin precedent from the U.S. Supreme Court issued in 2022 requires any restrictions on the Second Amendment to comply with the text of the amendment and for there to be any similar gun control laws from the founding era. The Supreme Court also recently docketed an appeal of the Illinois Supreme Court's ruling on a challenge brought by State Representative Dan Calkins, raising questions of conflict of interest. Illinois Republican legislators are responding to Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson's recent remarks that said those wanting to close the border or send non-citizens to sanctuary states are, quote, unclean spirits. Andrew Hensel has more. Illinois and Chicago have already spent hundreds of millions of dollars to care for over 24,000 non-citizen arrivals. And as taxpayer costs increase, tempers are flaring between the city and state. On Tuesday, Johnson criticized Republicans about how to address issues stemming from the southern U.S. border. Their whole motivation is to create disruption and chaos because that's what this that particular party has been about. Right? This is the same political party that did not want to accept that President Obama was actually an American. In response, State Rep Adam Niemerg said Johnson has yet to take responsibility for the issues in the city. I'm flabbergasted, but that you know that's just the typical. Uh, uh, what you run into, blame game and not able to take accountability for the fact that the city is in terrible uh, financial straits and, and you have uh, illegal immigration rampant throughout the city of Chicago. The state recently announced an additional $160 million for migrant care. I'm Andrew Hensel. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, I'll join the Center Square's Dan McCaleb to further discuss the news. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. 
Knowledge is power, and you deserve to know what happens in your state government. That's why the nonprofit Franklin News Foundation is bringing you straight news journalism through the center square, reporting on state authorities and publishing stories that show where your money goes and who spends it. By supporting the center square, you can track politicians' use of taxpayer money and demand transparency from elected officials. This is how we can equip everyday Americans to hold their government accountable. Become a supporter of Franklin today at franklinnews.org donate. Greetings and welcome to Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb, Vice President of News and Content at the Franklin News Foundation, publisher of the Center Square Newswire Service. Joining me again today is Greg Bishop, the Center Square's Illinois Capitol Bureau Senior Reporter and Editor. How are you doing today, Greg? Well, it's uh, getting closer to the holiday season after Thanksgiving. I think I'm off my... uh... Uh, turkey stupor, but uh, man, I'm looking forward to some snow and some gifts and wrapping up this year. I hear you, Greg. We are recording this on Thursday, November 30th, and we've got some breaking news today. The U.S. Supreme Court is taking up another, or at least is docketing, another challenge to Illinois' gun ban. Tell us uh, about the story you just wrote for the thecentersquare.com. Yeah, so um, uh, we have, uh, of course, uh, several different areas where the challenges against Illinois' gun and magazine ban and registry are at in the federal judiciary from the district courts now all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And Thursday had the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett tell the states that they have to respond to a case out of Naperville. Uh, by December 6th. So the case from Naperville actually predates Illinois' gun and magazine ban. Uh, It goes back to uh, the fall of 2022 when Naperville's local gun ban was getting ready to be enacted. And a gun store there, Law Weapons, with Robert Beavis, he sued the city of Naperville. And while that case was playing out, of course, you had the state of Illinois enact a gun and magazine ban and registry. And that was on January 10th. So Uh, The Beavis plaintiffs in Naperville, they amended their complaints to not just be focused on Naperville, but also to challenge Illinois' gun and magazine ban. So that case was lumped in with other cases out of the Northern District and the Southern District in the lower courts with different opinions. Of course, we had the lower court uh, in the Southern District uh, issue a preliminary injunction, but a stay was put on that uh, by the appeals court whenever they lumped all these cases together. While the appeals court heard that case in late June, uh, all of these cases from the Southern District and the Northern District, including the Neighborville case, and they ruled just a handful of weeks ago that the state had a likelihood of uh, succeeding on the merits of the case. So uh, that left uh, Naperville uh, in that case in particular with uh, some options. They had already asked the U.S. Supreme Court to intervene with a preliminary injunction to halt the law while the case proceeds. But that was before the Seventh Circuit actually took the case and consolidated it with other cases. And once the Seventh Circuit did that, the U.S. Supreme Court did not accept the Naperville case. But that was over this past summer. But now that the Seventh Circuit three-judge panel ruled several weeks ago, the state has a likelihood of succeeding on the merits and uh, reversed the lower court in the Southern District's injunction, that let the Naperville plaintiffs seek different avenues. So the, the plaintiffs there are asking for the full Seventh Circuit panel to review the case. But in the meantime, they also asked for the U.S. Supreme Court 
to step in and intervene on an emergency basis, saying that they're being irreparably harmed by the law being in place prohibiting the sale and possession of 170 different semi-automatic firearms, magazines, and also the gun ban registry. So they actually asked the Supreme Court for a second time to intervene after the appeals court decision. And while you still have the en banc, the full appeal panel request pending, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court docketed the Naperville case. So that happened yesterday on Wednesday. This morning, we see the docket entry that Justice Amy Coney Barrett issued saying that she's ordering the state to respond to the Naperville plaintiff's motion for a preliminary injunction uh, while the case proceeds through the courts to the U.S. Supreme Court, ultimately. Uh, but uh, with them uh, having to respond by December 6th, Uh, That's leaving the window open for some people to think that there could be some kind of emergency motion or emergency order uh, from the U.S. Supreme Court on a preliminary basis to enjoin the law. Uh, So that's uh, something that uh, popped on us here uh, this Thursday morning Uh, and uh, interesting to see because it's not the first case that the U.S. Supreme Court's docketed challenging Illinois' gun and magazine ban. While the case out of Naperville has that now uh, and possibly could be taken up by the U.S. Supreme Court with some kind of emergency action, if you recall several weeks ago, you had uh, the case that State Representative Dan Calkins brought to the U.S. Supreme Court. And this is based off of the Illinois Supreme Court's ruling in August against Calkins' challenge of the gun and magazine ban. To back up a little bit there, uh, you had Calkins' attorneys, before it was even heard by the Illinois Supreme Court, uh, asking that two justices whose campaigns received more than a million dollars from named defendants on the law, including Governor J.B. Pritzker, giving a million dollars to each of these two Supreme Court justices, Calkins' attorney said those justices should recuse themselves, but they denied that recusal motion and they still heard the case and ruled against Calkins. So after several weeks, Calkins' attorneys compiled the information to get it in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, really focusing on that conflict of interest challenge. And uh, that's, again, uh, the first Illinois gun ban challenge that the U.S. Supreme Court put on the docket. The state has until December 14th to respond to Calkins' case there. But with the Naperville case now giving an earlier deadline, uh, a deadline that, by the way, is, what, about a week away from today, uh, tends to show the urgency more on focusing on the Naperville case uh, than the, the Calkins case. But either way, we've got a couple of big deadlines here coming up in the weeks ahead at the U.S. Supreme Court when it comes to Illinois' gun and magazine ban. Now, Dan, not to confuse you any further, uh, as I said, uh, challenges in <laughs> courts on great. this issue, yeah, they range from the Supreme Court to the Appeals Court and to the Southern District. And just to kind of give that status update of the Southern District case, you have plaintiffs in the Southern District out of East St. Louis. They're set to have oral arguments on a case challenging the gun ban registry deadline of January 1st. And that case is going to be heard on December 12th. And the judge in that case, Judge Stephen McGlynn, has already said he anticipates providing a ruling on a preliminary injunction to halt the January 1st deadline to register firearms before the Christmas holiday. So we're going to be pretty busy watching this closely because, Dan, as I look at the calendar, we've got one month until January 1st when people are required to register firearms or they could possibly face 
uh, up to a class three felony for being in possession without registering. Your title that I that I uh, tell listeners at the very beginning of the show is long and um, hard for me to get through to begin with. Should we just add gun ban legal fight reporter to that too? Because I think that's all you're going to be writing about in December. It sounds like. And and, and honestly, since uh, before the the, the gun ban was uh, enacted, uh, there was a lot going on with Illinois gun law. Uh, we haven't even touched on. The challenges that are pending against the Illinois firearm owner identification card. Uh, And that's something else that happened today, too. An interesting thing when it comes to uh, the FOID card and the Freedom of Information Act, uh, the Illinois Supreme Court ruled Thursday that an individual cannot get their own individual file on Illinois State Police records concerning a FOID revocation or denial through the Freedom of Information Act. They have to go through other channels. Uh, plus, you've got uh, all of the the possibility of uh, further gun litigation from laws that might be passed in the future. So we'll be watching this space very closely. I don't know how you managed to keep track of all of this, Greg. Obviously, it's going to be a busy December with all of these legal fights and responses and court battles going on over the but but as you mentioned we have a there's a january 1st deadline we're one month away um from illinois legal gun owners perhaps becoming criminals because they didn't register their now banned weapons yet the court cases as as you just explained to our readers the dozens of court cases or however many there are continue to work their way through the court system but we do actually greg have more to talk about than this gun ban fight Although it's not a new topic for us, the migrant crisis continues, uh, particularly in Chicago, with uh, President Biden's um, border policies essentially opening up the southern border. Since he's been in office, uh, more than 8 million illegal border crossers, uh, Texas Governor uh, Greg Abbott and others have been busing um, some of these migrants to northern sanctuary state and sanctuary cities. Chicago being one of them, more than what, where are we at now? More than 24,000 migrants bust to Illinois, Chicago in just the past 15 months or so. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson earlier this week uh, uh, at a news conference had some pretty pretty, uh, fiery rhetoric about this. Republicans pushed back on that. Tell us about that. So, yeah, Johnson uh, Tuesday had a news conference where he was with faith leaders and uh, those in the uh, philanthropic space to uh, step up and help in the housing and caring for some of these thousands of migrants, uh, non-citizens that have arrived to Chicago Uh, and uh, having these these faith leaders there to discuss how they're going to be doing this in cooperation with the city and the resources they're going to have access to. Um, Johnson ended up taking questions from members of the media and uh, some of the questions asked about how to address the southern border uh, and and also to react to the ongoing busing of non-citizens from the southern U.S. border to places like Chicago. And I'll just read you a quote that Johnson said. He said, "Uh, it's abysmal and it's an affront for anything and everything that's good about this country for the extremism in this country to use people as political tools to settle political scores for something that happened 400 years ago. He went on to say that that's uh, particularly um, uh, uh, frustrating. Uh, He says it's the same Republican right-wing extremism that stormed the Capitol. It's the same right-wing extremism that refuses to accept the results of the Civil War. It's raggedy. It's disrespectful. He said it's mean-spirited. It's unclean spirit. 
So it's some pretty fiery words there uh, from the the Democrat mayor. And uh, we got response from from Republicans uh, from across the state who uh, really said that uh, uh, Johnson's words are inappropriate uh, and that he needs a a history lesson. State Representative Adam Niemerg said uh, to say Republicans don't accept the results of the Civil War. He says, I believe Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. Uh, State Representative Marty McLaughlin uh, said that uh, Brandon Johnson and the governor, uh, he says, quote, um, are both obviously not students of history and are hoping for many of their followers to never get off TikTok to discover historical accurate information. Uh, Then you have others, including um, State Representative Brad Halbrook, who said that uh, Johnson's not a serious person and doesn't deserve a response for his, quote, inane babbling went on to say that uh, if Johnson was the answer for Chicago, here's a quote, it must have been an extremely stupid question. Uh, so uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, finger pointing back and forth on all of this. But if you remove yourself out of the rhetoric from Illinois and Chicago and Democrats pointing fingers at Republicans and vice versa, New York's having the same situation here, if not uh, compounded even more with uh, yeah. tens of thousands more uh, than what uh, Chicago's been getting. And you have, uh, you know, the the governor there, uh, Kathy Hochul in New York, recognizing that the border needs to be closed. You've got the New York mayor uh, also recognizing that uh, something that uh, needs to be done by the Biden administration. And even uh, a a congressman from New York, uh, Nick Langworthy, recently said that uh, all of this is a glimpse of of an an avoidable humanitarian disaster. Uh, He says is brought not by big, bad Republicans. That's a quote. Uh, He says it's brought by the administration, the Biden administration, that refuses to enforce immigration laws. Back to Johnson, when he made those fiery comments about, you know, 10 minutes later in the Q&A with members of the media in Chicago, he did ultimately come around and say, while the city of Chicago can't control the flow of migrants coming across the southern U.S. border, uh, indicating that, uh, you know, that's up to the president to make that call and to to make that act happen. Uh, he said that uh, regardless, the humanitarian crisis is still here and uh, resources are needed uh, to, to to continue forward. Uh, and it's uh, an expensive endeavor. Let's yeah, let's set aside the rhetoric for now and focus on the actual um, crisis and what it means for Illinois taxpayers. Greg, we also wrote at the centersquare.com this week that the state of Illinois has spent nearly $1 billion on migrant care and services just over the past 15 months. And when lawmakers return to session in January, there might be a need for a supplemental appropriation bill for this fiscal year to appropriate more dollars towards the migrant crisis in the state. Tell us about that. And this is interesting because we were um, kind of postulating and speculating what would happen during veto session. And it was possible that there could have been a supplemental appropriation during veto session that uh, ended in early November uh, to uh, to expend more money on the crisis uh, that's impacting Illinois from the southern U.S. border. Uh, And we didn't hear anything. There were there were virtually no discussions about that during fall veto session, uh, despite the speculation that there could be. Then, just a few days after veto session wraps up, Governor J.B. Pritzker holds a news conference announcing $160 million of additional funding for wraparound services uh, to help with the migrants' issue. Uh, And this, of course, was a a kind of, uh, you know, 
again, just a few days after the end of fall veto session when they could have had the debate open in chambers or uh, in committees to really break down these funds. But ultimately, the $160 million in additional taxpayer money, uh, the governor says, is coming from different line items throughout the uh, the state's uh, state agencies that handle this this type of thing. Uh, and uh, something else, too, is interesting is the governor does have authority to shift dollars around within the budget. And uh, part of the budget implementation bill that's um, uh, starting January 1st, I believe he's given the power to uh, move around up to 8% of a budget to, to make for uh, funding certain types of priorities. So we'll be watching that closely. But when you tally up all of the spending, of course, the humanitarian spend uh, the humanitarian costs here, you've got people who are in extreme cold, sleeping in tents, uh, that can't be, um, you know, uh, downplayed. Uh, and that's uh, obviously on the top of uh, many people's right. spines, everybody who looks at this. Uh, but with that also comes the extreme taxpayer costs and the tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, not just the health care for those over the age of 42 here in the States as non-citizens, uh, but also the the housing costs, which is tens of millions of dollars. Uh, and uh, the governor even acknowledged this week that, indeed, lawmakers likely are going to have to come back after the new year and possibly put together a supplemental appropriation for even more spending. Uh, so while Republicans predicted this when they were discussing the budget in May of this year, uh, we'll see it uh, obviously come to fruition in the uh, the last half of the fiscal year. As lawmakers come back um, at the beginning of a uh, new session starting in mid-January. The stories we've already talked about today, you know, they, they've been front and center um, in Illinois news for, for quite a while now. But voters might have a chance to weigh in here sooner rather than later because there is actually a, a primary early next year. And the filing season for the filing period for that primary opened Monday of this week. There are going to be some incumbent elected officials who are going to be on the ballot against opponents from their own party. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the week-long filing period wraps up this coming Monday uh, after it opened on Monday. And it was a cold day. Uh, I was out there early in the morning as you saw the line wrap around the uh, strip mall where the Illinois State Board of Elections is. An interesting note, it's on the same strip mall that we're just down the next door is uh, Chuck E. Cheese. If you're ever interested in coming to see the digs for Illinois State Board of Elections. Uh, but, yeah, all of these uh, you know various um, people seeking office, uh, lining up with their stacks of petitions to go turn them in to be the first to turn them in. Uh, and this is, of course, for the March 19th primary. Illinois does not have a caucus. We have primaries and uh, uh, the taxpayers fund the, the ballots for for the Republicans and the Democrats who are established parties in March 19th, that date. So put that on your calendar. Uh, I guess just one way to kind of look at uh, the idea of, uh, you know, individuals uh, facing challenges from their own political party in a party primary. Let's look at Congress. And one big congressional race that uh, got a lot of attention is the Republican primary uh, for the seat that's held by U.S. Representative Mike Bost. He's a Republican. He's vying for his sixth term, but he's got a challenge from former state senator and former Republican gubernatorial candidate Darren Bailey. So they're going to be going head to head. They both were there and filed their petitions Monday morning. But that's not the only race where you've got uh, an incumbent facing a primary from their own party. You've also got up in the Chicago area, Chicago alderman uh, Ray Lopez is challenging longtime Congressman uh, Chewy Garcia in the Democratic primary for the 4th Congressional District. 
So that's going to be an interesting race to watch. You've got Sean Caston uh, facing uh, an opponent in the 6th Congressional District Democratic primary. You've got Jan Schakowsky in the 9th Congressional District. We'll find out, of course, as all the dust settles, who could possibly be on the ballot for the March primary come Monday evening when the uh, window closes to file. But even then, Dan, the next process is objections so people can file objections to try to get these names tossed off the ballot so next year is going to be a big election year we look forward to your and your team's reporting at the centersquare.com but we are out of time for greg bishop i'm dan McCaleb. please subscribe thank you for listening